Hey, hey, welcome in Trekkies. Sorry it has been a couple of weeks since uh, our last conversation. Uh, things come up and we're all living through this pandemic. So uh, we are moving forward with our episode of episode discussions. And I think we did a pretty good job of breaking these next couple of episodes down. Uh, we're very appreciative to anyone that is still here and riding with us. With that being said, here comes some music. Hey, hey, welcome in Trekkies. Uh, it's your host, Stuart Colley. I've got my uh, other brother. And uh, once again, for the second week in a row, we've got Andrew with us. How's everybody's week been? Been great. Been, uh... <laughs> Go ahead. No, that's it. Been great, man. Just been great. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a good week. Uh, you know, just... The yard looks really good. I've got lots of time for that. So, <laughs> uh, so Andrew, uh, last week was your first like official week on the podcast. I have a very serious question for you. Yeah. Did you go back and listen to yourself? I've listened to myself on recording before, and it's never gotten any better. I've always hated how I sound on recording. Well, I mean, that's everybody. Uh, but I thought you did a great job, man. So uh, glad to have you here. So um, we are here to do our next matchup, uh, trying to find the episode of episodes. Um, we have uh, three that we're going to do today. Uh, it's going to be uh, Mirror Mirror versus Far Beyond the Stars. Uh, and then, Stephen, you were taking control of, what, Twilight versus for the uniform for the uniform and andrew you are going to handle uh scorpion parts one and two uh versus the inner light from the next generation it is not in fact from the original series like i said last week <laughs> so we are going to jump right into it um, I think we all have a couple things that we have to do later. I think Andrew has to work, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna get the ball rolling. Uh, so, Stephen, I think you were gonna start us off. Yeah, thanks. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with with Twilight from from Enterprise, um, and of course, like we said, that's gonna be versus for the uniform. Both of these episodes are very fresh in my mind. I, I rewatched them both within the last 24 hours. Um, so <clears throat> starting with Twilight, um, I thought that this was a great episode of Enterprise. Uh, it's once again part of the Zindi arc. Those, the Zindi arc is kind of where all of my, not all of my, but most of my favorite episodes of Enterprise come from. Um, I just, I, I, I don't know, it, it, it reminds me of the whole DS9 at war. And I, I, I like that at war a little bit in Star Trek. It gives you the other side of that, uh, what happens when Paradise Falls coin. Um, so <clears throat> this is, again, like I said, in the Zindi arc. So, you know, the episode starts out, you know, they're on their mission uh, trying to uh, find and defeat the Zindi probe. And 
there the 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 ship is is struck by um, a distortion wave um, that turns out to manipulate not only space as we see by the bulkheads kind of uh, kind of like a wave coming through, but also it turns out time. Uh, and uh, long story short, that wave ends up leaving behind some parasites in Captain Archer's brain. Um, he could have gotten out of the way of the wave, but he chose not to leave a trap to Paul in the corridor. Um, so because of that, he is unable to store any long-term memories um, and can really kind of only remember everything that happened before that in his life, and, and that's it. So he is obviously relieved of command, and to Paul, after the Zindi destroy Earth, ends up becoming his caretaker and tells him the same story of what happened to him every day for what turns out to be 12 years. Um, Dr. Flock shows up uh, and uh, and develops this cure. Uh, mayhem ensues. He was followed, and uh, there's a big battle, and, and they end up destroying the parasites, and everything goes back to normal. They reset the uh, you know, the, the the time arc back to when it happened. So, uh, one, one thing that uh, I would say is this is one of those episodes of Star Trek time travel-ish that uh, I, I'm not a huge fan of because uh, no one remembers what happened. Uh, it's like it never happened. Um, I always kind of feel shortchanged with those. And uh, I always like it when one person, like a telepath, it kind of remembers, you know, it's like, uh, uh, I don't remember the name of the episode of Voyager. Um, it's, 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 it's the episode three where they go back um, in time in the, the fractured planet, time planet. Uh, and uh, Cass is the only one who ends up remembering something happened. You know, that kind of just means that somebody remembers it. And it's just kind of a thing for me. So it was a good episode. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um as for For the Uniform from DS9, uh, so you do kind of have to know a little bit of backstory about who Michael Eddington is to kind of really get why this this episode is, is like a, comes to a head um, toward the end. And there's this huge satisfaction for Benjamin Sisko. Um, I'm not going to go into that, but... I just did want to note for the, this competition purpose that you do kind of have to know some of that backstory. Um, but basically, um, Michael Eddington is a former Starfleet officer. He commits treason and he uses his position and his power to help the Maquis, who he is now in control of, uh, to destroy Cardassians and um, and elude the Federation. Um, Benjamin Sisko's been on his tail for eight months. Uh, he finally tracks him down. Um, and it's really, the whole thing is really an allegory for, uh, as it's mentioned in the episode, for Blake Miserable. And I don't know, it's just, it's, it's a good episode. I enjoyed it. I am not a fan of the ending. Um, I didn't like that Benjamin Sisko used, actually ended up using uh, the weapon to poison the Maquis planet. Um, I'm, I'm not sure he could have gotten the same job done on a bluff, but I, I was never really a big fan of that. Um, but 
you know, long story short, uh, there are two great episodes of Star Trek, and uh, kind of an odd matchup to me. Thoughts? <clears throat> So there's another Ben Cisco episode that we're going to be talking about today. And I feel like it was two different sides of Avery Brooks that he was, uh, that he was portraying here. Um, I agree that you do need to know a lot about who Eddington is uh, for this episode to work. Uh, if you just watch it by itself and don't know why he hates him so much, um, or who Ben Cisco is and like what the uniform means, then it doesn't work as well. It's a fantastic episode. Um, can we talk about like the hollow table or whatever? We're like, <laughs> it like that always has just stuck out to me as this thing that they tried. And we're like, oh, that's a little much. Dial it back. And then you just never see it again. Uh, so with Twilight, it was not it was not like the Enterprise episode that I was going to pick to be on this list. But watching, it, it was... I agree with what you said that nobody remembers that this happened. But... It was really nice to see what happened to everybody's future, uh, especially in light of how Enterprise ended uh, with a terrible finale. So you do kind of get this sense that everybody gets a ship, right? Uh, you know, uh, Hoshi gets promoted. Uh, Malcolm has a goatee and is not evil. I'm going to be talking about I'm going to be talking about Mirror Mirror here in a little while and Malcolm gets a goatee and he's not a bad guy. So I really kind of I loved that. Uh it, it was really sure. fun. Um they were this was an odd matchup. Uh some of the other things that we've done um you kind of find interesting parallels between the two of them that you wouldn't have thought about. Um, these two don't really match up the way that y you would kind of like. So, <clears throat> Andrew, what do you think? I went back and watched Twilight because I had not seen it in a long time. I probably had only seen it once before I went back and watched it. thought it was a great episode. I understand why you would dislike fact that no one remembers it because it does kind of lessen the impact that it has uh well i mean it lessens it to pretty much nothing since no one remembers that it happened but i think in the same sense that i enjoy year of hell even though no one remembers it i think it's a great two-parter episode i think that twilight is a really good episode um just because it shows the relationship between paul and archer and uh Paul's developing feelings for Archer as she takes care of him. As far as for the uniform, I think that uh, the moment that Captain Sisko orders them to fire the biogenic weapons on the Maquis colonies, I think that is the moment where he decided that he was going to do it. I don't think that he had planned on actually going through with it up until that point. 
And I think that was a defining character moment for him uh, as far as the whole storyline goes uh, with Captain Sisko and his developing character. He turns into this... Uh, and especially this situation, he is justify, ends justify the means. He wants to get Michael Edding, Eddington at all costs. And it's very similar to uh, Javert in Les Mis. And I think the uh, comparison that Eddington makes is very not not quite accurate because he is not the Jean Valjean character that he thinks he is. But I think that Captain Sisko is much more like Javert than uh, Eddington is like Jean Valjean. I also kind of I see Sisko almost as like the same character as Picard in first contact that whole scene where uh him and lily are on the uh on the enterprise and he's and he loses his mind and it's a moby dick reference and he's like oh you broke your little ships right um it's they both got obsessed with something and incredibly focused so i i kind of see in first contact being like the evolution of this Cisco episode where you get so fixated on a personal vendetta or a personal thing that you kind of forget what it is to be Starfleet. Uh, and in light of the new Picard show, uh, it takes on a little bit of a different light. So did you notice that both of these episodes seem to be very character driven though? Like, there's a story around Twilight, and there's a story around for the uniform, but essentially the entire episode revolves around T'Pol and Archer, and uh, it revolves around Cisco and Eddington. So it they are very character-driven episodes. So, all right, let's... Uh, <clears throat> I don't know. This is hard because they're both good and there's no re real reason to disqualify one. Steven, you took this segment, so we are going to let you cast the first vote. What do you think? Twilight for the uniform. So um, it's, you know, most of these have been difficult choices. This is not a difficult choice for me. Um, and, and it's for one reason. And it's, it's based in how we kind of set this competition up. Um, I'm going to go with, and this is might surprise you, I'm going to go with Twilight um, because it is inherent. They're both great episodes of Star Trek. I love them both, and they both have their merits. But Twilight in itself is a standalone episode of Star Trek because it doesn't, because literally nothing in it affects anything else because it's completely erased. Um, I'm choosing it for the uniform um, there's a lot of backstory there um, in order to understand emotionally where Siska's coming from. For it to make sense, you you would have to watch a lot of other Star Trek um, specifically related to this storyline. Um, so for me, it's Twilight. I'm not going to bury the lead here. Uh, I agree with you uh, for pretty much exactly the same reasons. Uh, more so the Twilight reasons, it being a, more of a bottle episode. Um, but for a one-off, and you get to see so many of the characters 
futures that might come to pass, might not. Um, yeah, it's Twilight as a one-off for me, 100%. I definitely agree. I think that as a standalone episode, Twilight uh, does a bit better. You need more information about the DS9 episode for the weight of Captain Sisko's decision to have any sort of impact on you, so I definitely agree. Guys, everybody agreeing all the time uh, makes for terrible radio. Uh, <laughs> we, we're supposed to argue about things. <laughs> I'm, sure we will hear, I'm sure we will here in a minute. I'm sure we will. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The argument's coming. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it is, because I'm taking the next one. And it is uh, Mirror Mirror, uh, the original Mirror Universe episode from uh, October 6, 1967, uh, the original series versus uh, Far Beyond the Stars from uh, Deep Space Nine. Sort of the same way I said I'm not going to bury the lead all that much. It's going to be really hard watching these two episodes and not see the fact that Mirror Mirror was made in 1967. Um, that being said, uh, it's not as campy as you would think. Um, we already talked last week about how smart Kirk was when he figured out the timey-wimey bullshit on uh, the time planet with the Guardian of Forever. And almost immediately upon arriving in the Mirror Universe, he has figured out there's a transporter accident. Uh, they've been translated into an alternate universe. And Kirk gets a like the reputation of being a womanizer and all action. But if you really go back and watch the original series, James T. Kirk was actually pretty smart. He had a pretty solid grasp of temporal mechanics. And it was it was interesting watching him figure it out that quickly. Um we, we were talking on the uh, on the last matchup about how shows find parallels. These two episodes back to back, all the actors get to play a different character, right? So in Mirror Mirror, they get to play the, the evil versions of themselves. And in Far Beyond the, Beyond the Stars, they get to play different characters. Um, but that has to be fun as an actor right uh i'm sure that Chekhov loved playing like a bad guy and trying to kill kirk uh that, that's that, that's just a fun thing we cannot understate how important the spock beard is as far as a meme goes <laughs> even if you don't watch star trek you know if you see someone with a goatee Oh, that's the evil version of that person, and you don't you don't even need to have watched Star Trek to get that. Um, it's the definition of uh, a meme and a cultural touchstone and reference. So that that's great that they gave us that. From far beyond the stars, um, obviously Avery Brooks directed this episode, and I'm going to skip ahead just a bit. After watching this episode twice, doing this, I don't know how far beyond the stars doesn't win this entire competition. It is such an incredible episode. 
every single one of the characters, Jeffrey Combs and Mark Lamo as the like sixties cops, right? Yeah. Are fantastic. Uh, Terry Farrell as the prototypical like sitcom sixties secretary is amazing. She's chewing gum and she's got her little voice and it's like, Ooh, that's great. Um, Avery got a Brooks. woman a belly. Yeah. Avery Brooks in this is overacting, but for a reason. Uh, and if you don't, if you don't cry a little bit in that final scene where he is breaking down, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. You can see Armin Shimmerman in the background while he is doing that. And you can tell that he is moved as a as an actor watching someone do that. He was so into that scene. Uh, and the same way Twilight is a bottle episode, you don't really need to know a whole lot to watch Far Beyond the Stars. And Star Trek has always been about a utopian future and being the better version of ourselves. And I feel like this episode really highlighted how far we have come because racism is not gone. Uh, We all know that. And as a black man, Avery Brooks really wanted to make a point of saying, this is, this is not something that we have beaten yet. This is where we came from, but we can get there. And it was incredibly aspirational and uh i don't think i need to say anything else about it so um yeah so just jumping right back on what just to piggyback off what you just said um about far beyond the stars um that whole outro at the end when the whole thing is over and avery brooks is is he's talking and he he's getting those thoughts out there about what he's just experienced um, that that whole scene to me was just a complete fourth wall break. Um, he wasn't speaking to character a character on the show. Um, he was speaking as Benjamin Sisko to the viewers on the other end of, of the television screen, saying exactly what you said. Uh, hey, it's been worse. We're at where we're at, um, but this is a future that people are aspiring to so when you watch this don't lose hope because things are going to get better and it can be like that it can be like we have now 400 years in the future where where this is the way it is and all, all we we truly have plateaued as a as a people and and it really it really doesn't doesn't mean anything anymore so yeah no i absolutely love that the line at the sort of towards the end before he comes out of the vision where it's the, um, his dad's character as the preacher. And he looks at him and says, who am I? And, uh, he says, you are the dreamer. And the dream was incredibly poignant, Mm. but for some reason I thought that had to come from somewhere that had to be inspired from something. And, and I am, I've not seen this in documentation anywhere. Uh, I looked around a while. 
Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a reference to the poem Ode by author O'Shaughnessy. O'Shaughnessy. It's a very long poem, but most people just quote the first bit of it. And it says, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams, wandering by lone sea breakers and sitting by desolate streams, world losers and world forsakers on whom the pale moon glows. Yet we are the movers and shakers of the world forever, it seems. I'll put the rest of that poem in our show notes. Everyone should go read it. There is no way that he is not talking because everything about this poem is talking about building a better future and being better than the people that came before you. And it's absolutely beautiful. And I, I'm going to, I'm just going to go ahead and vote. Andrew, you can talk about your whole thing, but I, it's going to be far beyond the stars for me. I, I mirror mirror is great, but it's not better than far beyond the stars. I said that the argument's coming here in a minute, and I didn't exactly mean <laughs> this, matchup. this matchup. I did not mean this matchup, because I definitely agree that Far Beyond the Stars is a better standalone episode, simply because you can watch that whole episode as a standalone story, and it still has the same impact and the same weight behind, uh, especially the breakdown that uh, Cisco has. And he says, uh, you can deny me all you want but you cannot deny that I'm a human being. And I think that is a great line of dialogue. And that part especially, yeah, I, I definitely agree that if you're not moved by that, uh, I don't know what to tell you. I definitely think Far Beyond Stars wins out. Yeah, so um, we're, again, we are, we are going... We're going three for three here. Um, it's it's definitely far beyond the stars for me. I didn't even say anything about Mirror Mirror in this entire segment. Um, if, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I am a huge fan of Mirror episodes. Um, a huge fan. And this is obviously the first one. Um, and I mean, it, as, a, as a standalone, it works uh, because it... it it was the first Mirror episode, so that you know you don't need any. You can watch the rest of them, but you know you don't need anything to sort of understand this one. Uh, evil is evil, and good is good, and I don't think that's lost on anyone who hasn't seen any other episode of Star Trek. It's pretty. It's pretty easy to understand. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's far beyond the stars. It's a great episode, and I would li- also like to point out that that the acting, uh, not just Avery Brooks, um, not just Armin Shimmerman, but um, there was another actor that didn't have a lot of lines in this episode, but really stood out to me as just some excellent acting. And that's Michael Dorn. Um, you know, we're so used to seeing Michael Dorn as Worf. Um, and he was not Worf, but for about 0.2 seconds in kind of one of those little weird flashbacks in this episode. And he, he played a, a great, just regular Joe. I just, I, I very much enjoyed every time Michael Dorn made an appearance in this episode. Well, That's all I'll say. He, I mean, he was a black baseball player, and the color bear, barrier had pretty recently been broken with Jackie Robinson. So being a black professional ball player uh, was, kind of a, was kind of a big deal. And can we talk about how there was a great homage to D.C. Fontana that uh, Kira's character was called what KC Hunter. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. DC, DC Fontana 
gets a great shout out on that. So, all right, we're going to move on. That was pretty simple. One thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that Michael Dorn's character did not want to live in the white communities during the time that he was playing baseball in a white league because those barriers at that time, like you said, had been broken down, but there was still, I mean, there were still barriers in place and we can't forget that. And I think that was symbolic of in the future compared to what we are seeing on screen as the present. There are barriers that have been broken down, but we are not fully where we need to be and we can't forget that those barriers are in place. And I think that was important in that episode. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Um, anything else to, to drop down about Mirror before we move on? Um, it's not my favorite Mirror episode, honestly. No. I, I, I honestly... The, my favorite Mirror episode, and this may surprise you because none of the Enterprise episodes made the list, but the Mirror episode uh, at the end of... Star Trek Enterprises uh, series, or near the end, rather, I think is my favorite iteration of the Mirror Universe. Really? Yes. Really? This this may all end up getting cut, but, uh, I mean, that's interesting. That's, in, that, that's your favorite Mirror, mirror episode. Um, my favorite Mirror episode um, is, is one of the DS9 ones. Um, which actually kind of ties back to Mirror Mirror uh, because it kind of reintroduces that the transporter can be used to access the Mirror Universe, um, which we never really saw again. Um, and it's always like a, you know, like a rift in space time or like a quantum singularity or, you know, and, and so that was just, um, I like that, that they, they tied that back. They were like, hey, we haven't seen this done in a while. Let's kind of mainstream this. Um, and, and make transporter technology kind of able to still do it. I thought that was pretty cool. All right, guys, let's do our third matchup. Andrew, it's your debut. Are you nervous? <laughs> I'm good. I've got notes here. Got some notes. All right, I'm going to start with the inner light. Uh, just a brief synopsis of the episode. The Enterprise encounters a probe. It connects with Captain Picard and sends him into another life. He flashes back and forth for a second, and it like the or the camera flashes back and forth to show you what's going on. He is stuck in this world, and he's not sure how he got there. And he spends most of his early time there. I would say about half the time that he is in that world. I'd say trying to figure out what happened, trying to get back. And he slowly accepts what happened to him and begins to live his life. And I think this is an important part of the episode. And I'll circle back to that. The episode goes on, and eventually we are circling back to the point where the probe is launched from that civilization. And thereby, it will encounter the Enterprise and start where we were at the beginning of the episode. A couple of things that I wanted to kind of look at is a couple of lines of dialogue that Picard says throughout. One thing is he says that he always believed he didn't need children to, com to complete his life. I think that's an important part of Picard's personality. I think we see that especially in the movie Generations when he is in the Nexus. And he has his ideal world, his ideal family. And I think that uh, the inner light plays a big role in that fantasy. I think without the inner light, he does not have that realization 
All right. As well as, um, okay, he's talking to his daughter in one of the, and she has discovered that the world is dying and they will, they have, you know, a limited amount of time. They're not going to be around forever. And talking to her, she realizes that, and he talks to her about this and says that seize the time, live now, make now always the most precious. You will never, it will never come again. And I think that this is something that at the turning point where Picard stops looking for a way back and starts and stops trying to figure out what happened to him. I think that's what, what he kind of said to himself that this is his life now. And I think that was a big part of that episode. And I think it showed us a whole lot. It was a lot of uh, character. Dri- it was a character driven episode around Picard. And I thought that was a really, really good episode. And my other matchup was Scorpion, which in my opinion, like, like most of these episodes are just completely different episodes. So brief synopsis of that one, we start out with the Borg being destroyed by Species 8472. They cannot assimilate them. They cannot understand them. And Voyager encounters 15 Borg vessels with their tails between their legs running from something. And that interests Voyager, obviously. They find Species 8472 aboard a damaged ship, and that leads to an alliance with the Borg for them to get through Borg space. I thought that this episode was especially interesting for the interaction between Captain Janeway and Chakotay. I think that Chakotay has an amazing point that they're making a deal with the devil, uh, which is Captain Janeway's kind of thoughts about it. But Chakotay does have a point in the fact that they cannot trust the Borg. The Borg are in it for themselves, not for the Federation, not for Voyager. They could care less about them, and they will get what they want in the end, no matter what they said before. They're not good to their word. And he's the voice of reason throughout the episode. And finally, Captain Janeway listens to him at the end and keeps him as a backup plan if the Borg's nature overtakes what they have agreed to. Um, One of the things that I found really interesting in this episode is as I looked kind of into it, and I'm not sure, I don't think that it's in this episode that Captain Janeway said it, but Captain Janeway specifically states that she promised Harry Kim's mother that she he would bring, or she would bring him back. And I think this is a big driving point to the episode. And I don't think it's spoken in the episode, but Harry Kim is lying in the medical bay, being eaten alive from the inside out by Species 8472. And I think that Captain Janeway up to this point has made it made herself into sort of a mother figure over Harry Kim. And I think she, she's become attached in that sort of mother-son-ish relationship. And I think that's what pushes her over the edge to consider an alliance with the Borg. And I think that's a very important part of that episode. I thought you brought up Chakotay. I thought that this was who he probably should have always been. He was a phenomenal first officer uh, for the Voyager crew in this episode. He railed against his captain. He told her that he thought she was wrong. And uh, there were a lot of scenes between Janeway and Chakotay in this episode. And I really thought, uh, looking back on it, that he, Robert Beltran really 
was the first officer of a ship in this episode. He suffered from a lot of bad writing. This episode was definitely not one of them. I agree that Chakotay was a boss player in this episode. Yeah, he's always been kind of a yes man um, as far as a first officer goes. And uh, yeah, I mean, he really pushes back. in this. Do we know who directed this episode? Did anybody make a note of that? I didn't. I'd like uh, to find that out. Uh, I, I did not. Um, it was a great episode because, well, for one, you get the introduction of Seven of Nine, right? Who's right. arguably the best character from Voyager. Um, and Voyager suffers a lot from <sighs> taking some of the mystique and uh, the, the fear from the Borg. Because, like, this one little tiny ship went up against the Borg how many times and always came away victorious. But this was the introduction of the Borg in Voyager. Uh, so they had not already, uh, they had not already beaten them. They'd not, you know, met the Queen 13 times or whatever. They, uh, they were still scary at this point. And that first, sh that first scene where you see all of those Borg cubes coming up on Voyager, it was terrifying because they thought they were getting ready to get assimilated. There's nothing that ship can do against 15 Borg cubes. And then they just blow past it and keep going. You're like, oh, wow. Okay, what's going on now? So, so the Borg had not been overused in Voyager at this point, and that, that makes this episode better by itself. Uh, one line of dialogue that I wanted to focus on was from Seven of Nine. She says that every decision is debated, every action questioned every individual entitled to their own small opinion. And she sees this as a weakness, and so do all the Borg, and that's kind of their ideology. I think that in this episode, that, uh, that, this episode, that line of dialogue is really important because it showcases the actual strength of humanity in our individuality. Because it's Chakotay's small opinion, his individual idea, that kind of saves the entire ship. If Captain Janeway does not listen to him, and keep him as a backup plan, Voyager gets assimilated. That's, I mean, it's kind of plain and simple. They don't walk away from that confrontation, in my opinion, at least. So that's a great, that's a great observation. Um, there was a lot of great dialogue in both of these episodes. Uh, Steven, uh, what, do you, uh, what do you think? You want to talk about, we, we've already talked a little bit about Scorpion. You want to talk about Inner Light? Yeah, Inner Light for me, um, that it made my original list. That's a great episode. Um, Beyond the strictures of this competition, uh, I mean, it it really does, uh, as has been already pointed out here, set up um, what who Jean-Luc Picard will ultimately evolve into as a captain um, and as a as a person. The the fact that that he could he could let go is not something that we usually see out of him. As a character, um, he 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 sticks to his convictions. He never gives up and never surrenders. And nice Galaxy Quest reference. I was wondering if you were going to pick up on that. And uh, <laughs> but I mean, he he never gives up. He never surrenders, and he does. Um, but he doesn't. It's 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 not a failure. He's just he's just moved on. Um, 
and it's 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 something that Jean Luc Picard is a character that we see much later has a and before has a hard time of doing uh, is moving on from things. Did anyone notice? Um, I, I don't think I had ever noticed it before. Now um, I don't know what the timestamp is, but it's when Jean Luc is he he goes out and he is he climbs the ridge and he he looks out upon the city that he's he's living in. When you see him. When he gets to the top and it's focused on him, uh, he has no hat. That straw hat, you know? Uh, he has no hat in his hand or on his head. And then it flashes to uh, a view from behind him as he's viewing the city. You can see him and the city before him. And he's holding the straw hat in his left hand. And then it flashes back to him again and, and no hat. Um, and I, <laughs> it popped out to me as funny um, because there was... Something was cut where um, it just didn't work or it didn't fit or something or there wasn't time um, where he's got that hat. And uh, I, I would love to be able to ask anyone who knew anything about that from a production standpoint, go, hey, what was cut there? You know, I don't know. It would just be nice to know. Um, but it, uh, both great episodes of Star Trek um, and... Uh, one has to win. Uh, it's good. I'm glad you brought up a uh, production thing. Uh, one of the best parts of this episode for me, the inner light uh, specifically, was the set design. Um, the costumes were fantastic. Uh, it, uh, Patrick Stewart was wearing pantaloons for most of this episode, but just big billowy things tucked into some sort of tights or whatever right and then yeah. like a v-neck you know just like repping some hamburger out but it they, the set design the costume design uh all of it was top notch um it yeah. looked fantastic to say nothing about the acting um the, patrick stewart was fantastic in this episode um he's a fantastic actor uh, so I, I wanted to highlight um his wife uh, Aline, I think her name was in the episode. Uh, she's played by an actress named uh, Margot Rose. And she's not like a famous person. She's, I, I looked up her IMDb page and she's like a one-off character actor in all sorts of things. Um, but their relationship, I believe that Jean-Luc Picard had been married to this woman for 40 some years. It, she she was fantastic in it. Um, so, from a from a production standpoint, both of these episodes were great. But Scorpion was a lot more CGI. There's something to be said about like physical models and sewing an outfit or building a model. I love Scorpion. It might be one of the best episodes of Voyager. Spe again, because you get seven and nine, and the acting's fantastic. And also, Kess leaves pretty soon after this. That's great. But <laughs> <laughs> she does look so much better with, like, that long, curly hair than she did with, like, her little pixie cut. I just took her more seriously as a character. Um, but she just looked... She looked more like an adult member of the crew and not, like... The doctor's sidekick or Neelix's weird crush because she's only like four. <laughs> yeah, I had actually forgotten until I rewatched this uh, this time that this was such 
This was also a big cats episode, sort of in like a. It wasn't even like a B plot. It was like a C plot. Um, it was cats. Cats was was big in this one, and yeah. uh, you're, cheap, you're cheap. right. It was it was right before um, her storyline starts to come to an end on the Voyager uh, for a little while. And um, yeah, no, I had forgotten that it was. Uh, well, it's what Scorpion Part One is the season finale. Scorpion Part Two is the season opener and then the gift right is i think probably the second episode of the next season it's so i'm not i'm not yeah. sure but yeah it's it's right there yeah it's right there <sighs> i can't I think vote andrew against. should take i think andrew should take the take the first vote on this one andrew go ahead buddy it was a tough decision i'm gonna say that i love voyager but i had to go with the inner light i think that the first of all the character development of Jean-Luc Picard in this entire episode is if you don't want to look at just the episode itself the implications throughout the rest of the series and the movies just is too hard to ignore and I think it's a great thing for him just looking at the episode itself you get to see the rise not the rise but uh, the fall of the civilization and their desperate attempts to want to exist in some form or fashion after they're gone and you put yourself in that same position and think about how the fact that every single thing, every single person that has ever lived or existed on that planet has been forgotten and been dead for a thousand years. Uh, that planet went, yeah, uh, the planet was destroyed and in, inhospitable a thousand years before the Enterprise encountered the probe. And just looking at that story, it kind of lets us look at our own mortality and what we're leaving behind. And I think that kind of resonates with me uh i think that it's i don't know i don't know i think that's the human condition is to want to leave something behind and not to cease existing entirely once you're dead or gone and i think that's just a great point that the episode drives home i mean you, we're also watching this during like a global pandemic the i mean the world is in fact experiencing like a, a real emergency um like we could all die. That's a real thing. Um, there are a lot of professionals that are doing a great job uh, getting a handle on it. Um, but, you know, America has like three and a half percent of the world's population and like 33 percent of infected cases. That's that's scary. And watching the fall of a civilization while we're experiencing what we're experiencing makes it a little bit more pertinent right now. If, you know, if maybe I watched this six months ago or a year from now, it might be different. Um, but we all have a legacy that we would like to leave. So, yeah, I I agree. Inner Light is, Inner Light is going to be my pick. It's, it's just too good. So that's interesting um, that the point that you make about what's going on in the world today, and, and you're right. I mean, the world is, ha the world, um, is having a moment. Um, right now where we we have the opportunity to come together and I'm not going to get into whether we as a as a planet are handling this in a good way or a bad way I'm just not I'm just not going to go down that road in this venue but the fact that you bring that up it means to me that that's exactly what Star Trek is supposed to do it's what Gene Roddenberry wanted to do um, and everyone who was involved with the creation of Star Trek was to give you insight into your own lives 
so that you could see what was going on in the world around you. And the fact that this episode was written in uh, the early 1990s and can still mean something completely different for you today, um, many decades later, is exactly why it is also my pick. Um, and it, it's still it's still relevant. It is absolutely still relevant today. Um, Scorpion's a great episode of Star Trek. Um, when when I saw these two go up against each other, I did not think that Inner Light was going to pull it out for me. I, 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 there's no way that Scorpion's going to lose that competition, and it absolutely has. Uh, it's an excellent, I, I agree, um, might be um, the best episode of Voyager that there is. Um, it might not be. It's certainly in the top three for me, and I didn't think I was going to lose, but it absolutely loses, and it's for that reason. I definitely um, that both of you were going to pick Scorpion as your picks in this. I <laughs> did not think that we were all going to agree on this one as well. This is nuts. This is nuts. You're, this is this, it's still great radio, though. I don't care what you say. <laughs> I sound fan, I sound fantastic. Uh, let's argue about who's prettier. Who's prettier? <laughs> Uh, I've been getting I've been getting fat and happy, man. Um, during the uh, during the quarantine, so uh, I am I am not pretty right now. Also, I need to shave. <laughs> I will not argue with you about that either. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that that was fun. Uh, I love the fact that we all watched these episodes and came to the same conclusion for probably essentially most of the same reasons. Yeah, uh, most of, most of these episodes are still relevant. Uh, that that really is the thing. Uh, you said Interlight is still relevant. It absolutely is. Uh, yeah. So we from all... a production standpoint as well uh, to our listeners, we we don't like pregame this beforehand, and we don't know what the others picking. This is this is also a surprise to us. So um, that's interesting. Um, yeah. And telling. I was, I was spoiling for a fight. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely thought that I was going to have to fight you on. Uh, Mirror, mirror versus far beyond the stars. I, I was prepared for a fight uh, with Andrew. Honestly, I was prepared for a fight, and he surprised me. All right, guys, let's uh, move on to trivia. So, Andrew, we are going to give you your random trivia question. Let's uh, do it. I believe you. I believe uh, you were wrong last week, which means I'll you have uh, zero points if anybody out there is keeping score uh zero points oh for one my friend i'm gonna continue to give you one of these long form questions uh so we are right so we have and it is a voyager question that i just opened you are so excited i can see your hands you're so excited it was voyager question 1015 as Paramount launched the UPN network in 1995, it was only natural to use one of its premier properties, the Star Trek franchise, to headline the Infant Network. Thus, even as Deep Space Nine was hitting its stride, Star Trek Voyager was born. The premise of this show was different from the others in the franchise. Voyager's exploration was to find its way home. Deep Space Nine featured the first female lead in a Star Trek show, though female captains and admirals have been seen earlier. Captain Catherine Janeway, played by Kate Mulgrew, would face a challenge to consolidate two disparate crews as they begin their trek back to the Alpha Quadrant. In the pilot episode, 
the ship was swept into the Delta Quadrant by a powerful but dying alien called the Caretaker. Janeway chose not to take the opportunity to get her ship home in order to save the Ocampan people. How far from home did the Caretaker bring the USS Voyager? <laughs> what a fucking softball. Yeah, <laughs> a long way to introduce a softball. I was like, oh my god, what is <laughs> question i know i hadn't read it yet either and i got to the to the end i was like are you shitting me okay so i'll give you the a b c or d uh a is twenty thousand light years b is seventy thousand light years c is one hundred thousand light years d two hundred thousand light years i'm gonna go with seventy thousand light years Ah, uh, you are correct. <laughs> ding, ding. Ding, ding. <laughs> ding, ding. Ding, ding. Uh, that is... <laughs> didn't need the option, but I wanted to absolutely make sure so I didn't go over two, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go, Andrew. You're on the board, buddy. There were so many... There were so many... You know, to the... to the Whoever wrote that question, there were so many better questions in that question you could have, oh, yeah. I mean, there were so many that would be like, oh, you could have stopped at introduce the first on-screen female captain, and you could have, you could have been like, who was originally cast as, as, as the first, as the captain, as the female captain of, of Voyager? That would have been a great question. Wasn't it like a, wasn't it like a French lady? Yeah, and uh, the, the name of the character wasn't, um, was it still Janeway? Was her name still Janeway? I, I think her first name was different. I don't think it was Catherine. I think it was something a little more French because the actor was, uh, I want to say French-Canadian, but was definitely, definitely had a French accent and a French, like, name in, in real life. But, uh, you know. You've gone back and watched her, um, her episode that she did? The intro, yeah, I've, I've seen it. They actually ended up reusing some of the footage from that, and it's actually her hands, like... Um, stroking some of the keys they kept some of that of that footage and it's not actually kate mulgrew's hand in the shot it's this other actress's hand in the shot um so i always thought that was interesting i don't know where i saw that one of those uh one of those break it down youtube guys i think is what I, is where i saw that yeah we spend uh we spend too much time watching things about star trek <laughs> so let's Never. continue this Let's continue the Star Trek podcast with this trivia book that I already had before we decided to start a podcast. Uh, so, Stephen, brother, your question is... Yes. It's a Deep Space Nine question. Fantastic. Question 867. How many discs do Ferengi usually need to store their... Vacuum desiccated remains. Oh, Ooh, God, that's a good question. Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to give you the, because I'm not sure about this. This is a good I question. Need the AB, I need the ABCD. A, I, I'm, I'm remembering exactly the scene when they're when they're talking about this as well. And it's like the number is garbled in my memory. Well, the a? a. A is 10. B is 26. C is 47. D is 52. Oh my God. And see, I was thinking it was so much higher than all of those. I thought it was like 99 or something. Jeez. What was C and D again? 
Uh, A is 10. I'll do, I'll do all of them again. Yeah. So A is 10. B is 26. C, 47. D, 52. It's a shot in the dark, man. I'm going with... Uh, oh! Going with 47. C. Oh, it's wrong. It oh. is D. Oh. It is 52. Honestly, I would have picked 47 as well just because of that in in-universe joke about the number 47 constantly popping up all over the place i would have picked 47 as well i did not know the answer to that i would have guessed the same thing all right so question 1210 it is an enterprise question okay i've recently rewatched all of enterprise i should be all right which of the following was Reed not allergic to? Wheat, pineapple, dust mites, oak pollen. Hmm. I like how they worded the question, not allergic to. I like Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say it's pineapple because there was that whole episode where they were trying to figure out what his favorite uh, dish was. And Hoshi found out that he was, he needed like, bromelain injections which is found in pineapple which means he probably specifically loved pineapple which means he's not allergic to it i'm going with b god i'm wrong it was a so yeah so so i didn't know what the answer was i, I wasn't sure what he wasn't allergic but i knew it wasn't I knew the only thing that i was certain he was allergic to was pineapple that's why he got the injections because he was allergic to uh, to the bromelain compound in pineapple. That was the whole point of that, that entire like B plot of that episode was to find out what his favorite food was. And they made him a pineapple, I think it was a pineapple upside down cake. Um, and uh, yeah, so. Yeah, he's not allergic to wheat. So not does not have celiac disease. You know what? And that makes sense because they made him a cake, which has wheat in it. That's how the, you, you deduce that question. That was actually a really tough one. Well, we both got it wrong. Andrew, uh, you're coming up fast, man. It's seven to six to one. Is what it is. I'm just glad to get one right. <laughs> uh, I'm, ha I'm happy for you too, bro. So this has been, uh, this has been good. Uh, we've gotten three more episodes out of the way. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do for the next setup. I will put all that together and get it out to y'all and then we'll do this again sometime next week closing thoughts yeah sounds great man um it just you know i love doing this uh i'm i am uh i'm excited that andrew has been a part of the last two weeks and we'll continue on until we, we finish up this uh this whole this whole stream of of consciousness we got going here um and you know if you would like if anyone out there would like to drop us a line, uh, you can always hit us up on Twitter at Podcast Orion, um, and we'll you know we'll 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 take a look at what you say, uh, and we'll take into account what you, what you, what you have to think about. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, you can always do that on our email, um, Orion Syndicated Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and if you'd like to hear yourself on this podcast, maybe in a future episode. If you'd like to ask a question, ask it on air. Uh, we can do that. You can go to our anchor.fm page forward slash Orion Syndicated, and you can actually leave us a voice message that we can then drop into our podcast very easily 
so if that's something you'd like to do, uh, we'd love to have you on. Cool. Thanks for the shout outs. I'll put all that in the show notes as well. Andrew, closing thoughts. I had a great time comparing these episodes. I never thought that you guys would agree inner light over Scorpion because Scorpion is just such a monster of an episode to kind of put up in a battle against another one. Yeah. The whatever matchups we do next week, I'm going to make sure we fight about it. Like uh, I've got to make sure we fight about it. Uh, All right, guys. uh, (laughs) Appreciate the time. Uh, Andrew, I hope you have a good day at work, buddy. And uh, I guess that is going to be it for us today. Thank you everybody for listening and we will talk to you next week. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.